0: Chapter 18 of Prodigal Daughters by Joseph Hawking. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kate Fallis. Chapter 18 The Girls Are Located. John laughed as he put on his coat. He was still somewhat excited, although he had himself well under control. I don't think Mr. Barnes is very happy just now he said, Thank you for not interfering, Dad. I couldn't have gone home happy if I had not put the fear of death into him. The colonel was silent. The whole evening had been a nightmare to him, and although he could not help a feeling of satisfaction at Barnes's discomfiture, the grim realities of the whole business stood before him bare and gaunt. "'We've no need to search further now,' went on John. "'We know Eleanor's address, and where Peg is. "'That's something, anyhow.' "'Yes, it's something,' admitted the Colonel. "'He started to his feet and walked around the room. "'He had been able to keep calm during the time Barnes was there, "'but now he could no longer contain himself. "'My boy,' he said.' This is hell. Just think of it. Yes, I am relieved and more than relieved at what you have found out today. I had feared other things. I felt instinctively that the fellow was a villain, and I was afraid. But even as it is, the thought of a child of mine having to spend her life with a thing like that is horrible, horrible. "'Peg doesn't seem to think so.' "'No, but she will. "'She may be infatuated for the moment, "'but in a few weeks she will realize "'the nature of the beast to which she is married, "'and then I dread to think what may happen.' "'Yes, it's pretty bad,' admitted John with a sigh. "'But by Jove, I am glad I gave him a licking, "'and yet it was not much fun.' He had no fight in him. He's just a heap of flesh, that's all, and had no more idea of using his fist than a flapper. I almost got tired of knocking him down. I was only afraid lest the other fellow should butt in, and then you'd have had to take part in it. It was not a very dignified affair. Dignified, cried John. How could you be dignified with a fellow like that. He has no sense of decency. Nothing but brute force would make any appeal to him. I've known that all along. And you say you suspect it, when you read his letter last night, that things would turn out as they have. I knew Eleanor, cried the boy, and I felt sure, in spite of all her talk, that she would not allow Peggy to do what you feared. I was certain, too, that Peg was not that sort of girl, obstinate and mad as she is. I wondered why I had not thought of going to Somerset House before, but I did not say anything, for fear I might be mistaken. First thing this morning, however, I started to make sure, and I have got everything in black and white.' Thank you, my boy. You are a greater comfort to me than you can imagine. I don't know what I should have done but for you. Tears started to John's eyes as his father spoke. Like all modern boys, he would suffer anything rather than show any kind of emotion, but he was so much moved by his father's words that he dared not try to speak. "'Barnes will be a bit sensitive for the next day or two, he laughed. "'But what now, Dad?' "'What would you advise, my boy?' "'It was wonderful how the Colonel turned to this lad of his. "'For years he had been a self-contained man, "'acting on his own initiative and not seeking the advice of others. "'But now, almost instinctively, He turned to his boy for advice and guidance, and rejoiced in being able to do so. Let's go home to mother. A few minutes later, the colonel had paid for the room at the hotel, and they were on their way to Hampstead. Mrs. Trelawney knew the moment they entered that something had happened. What is it? she asked feverishly. "'You have found out something?' "'Yes,' replied the colonel. "'You have seen them? You know where they are?' "'We know where they are, but we haven't seen them.' "'But why? Where are they? Tell me everything, quickly!' "'Eleanor has got work in the city,' replied the colonel. "'She's a secretary in a business house, "'and she's living in a block of flats "'which goes by the imposing name "'of St. Hildebrand's mansions.' "'And is Peg with her?' "'The question was almost a gasp.' "'The colonel shook his head. "'She's with that fellow,' he replied. "'Lester, tell me, you don't mean—' "'She did not finish the sentence.' But John, who was watching every expression of her face, felt sure of the ghastly thought that had haunted her. She married him three days ago, Mother, the boy informed her. It took place at a registry office. See, here are the papers. I was able to get a copy of them. She snatched the copy of the marriage certificate from his hand, as a ravenous beast might snatch its prey, and eagerly devoured every word. Then she threw her arms around her husband's neck and sobbed convulsively. "'Oh, my darling,' she said, "'thank God it's no worse.' "'Did you fear anything worse?' asked the colonel. "'I feared everything,' she replied. "'I would not admit it even to myself, but I have been half mad for days. "'You are sure this is all right?' "'And she nodded towards the certificate. "'Absolutely,' replied the Colonel grimly. "'At any rate, you know the worst now.' "'A weight seemed to have dropped from the mother, and she became almost cheerful.' "'Tell me what happened,' she said. "'Let me hear everything.' The Colonel described the interview minutely, while she listened intently, seeming scarcely to breathe. When he came to the description of John's part in the affair, however, a change passed over her face. She looked anxiously at the boy, and there was a fearful look in her eyes.' "'Oh, no, no, not that,' she cried. "'He is bigger and stronger than you, John.' "'Is he?' laughed John. "'Ask him. I bet you ten pounds to a penny mother "'that he'll not forget this night in a hurry. "'And you, you?' Yes, I horsewhipped him, laughed the boy. No decent fellow could help it. Why, he insulted Peg, but he'll think twice before he tries on that sort of thing again. They now found themselves able to talk over the whole matter quietly and collectively later. Now that she knew where her two girls were, and that the dark clouds of mystery which had surrounded them had been swept aside. "'Mrs. Trelawney was able to talk calmly, almost hopefully. "'Her heart went out to them, too, defiant and disobedient as they had been. "'She was still their mother, and she began to make all sorts of plans "'as to what could be done for them. "'We must not be hard on them, Lester,' she said. "'They are our children still.' "'Yes, they are our children still,' assented the colonel. "'But what can we do for them?' "'Oh, I want them home. I want them home.' "'Yes,' replied the colonel, whose heart, in spite of himself, "'had been embittered by the scene through which he had just passed. "'But they left home.' They have defied us. Remember Eleanor's letter, my dear, and think of what Peg has done. Yes, but they are our children. It was the mother heart that pleaded. You would not close your doors against them, would you? The colonel thought a few seconds before speaking. No, he replied, as you say. "'They are our children, and our door must be always open to them, "'but evidently they don't want to come home.' "'Ah, but they will. "'They will see the meaning of what they have done, "'and then their hearts will turn to us. "'We must go to them and tell them that we love them still.' "'And she looked into her husband's eyes pleadingly. "'I think I see what's in your mind, Alice.' and the colonel could not help speaking somewhat sternly. "'If Eleanor will come home repentant and contrite, and will promise obedience, she shall receive a glad welcome. She shall not be reproached or upbraided, but she must be penitent and obedient.' "'Yes, I suppose you are right,' Mrs. Trelawney sighed after a long silence. "'But what of little Peggy?' "'Our home must be Peg's home, too,' replied the colonel. "'As you say, she is our child.' "'But what of that man?' "'She has married him. He is her husband.' "'I know nothing of that,' replied the colonel. "'To me, he is a complete outsider, and and he is beneath contempt. "'I will not have my house sullied by his presence. "'As for Peggy,' She knew my will about the matter. I forbade her to have anything further to do with him, but she defied me. In face of our wishes, she left home for him, and she has well nigh broken our hearts. I know that she's still our child. Even her defiance and her disobedience have not undone that fact, and if ever she needs me, she knows where to find me. But that poisonous thing... "'No, I will not have him here.' "'As Mrs. Trelawney looked at her husband's face, "'she knew that he was adamant, "'and that no amount of pleading on her part would alter him. "'Then what can we do?' she asked. "'Nothing,' was the reply. "'They have defied us. They have left us. "'There is nothing to be done.' "'But I want to see my children. "'I want to tell them I love them still. "'Don't you see, Lester? "'Peg's in the power of that man, "'while Eleanor will be homeless, friendless.' "'Not by any act of mine,' replied the Colonel. "'Both of them went away by their own desire, "'and we have no reason to believe that they wish to come back.' I could not rest until I knew what had happened to them, but now I know there is nothing more to be done. They have made their bed, and they must lie on it. I am afraid you are right, his wife admitted, but I want to see them. Let the first overtures of affection come from our side. What do you want me to do? Trelawney asked. Let us go to them, Lester. Let us make them feel that they are not homeless. Well... replied the Colonel after a silence. I think you are right. We will do that. But when? Now! cried the Mother. Do not let us wait a moment longer. The Colonel looked at his watch. It is past nine... "'he said. "'Still, it shall be as you say.' "'A few minutes later they were in a taxicab "'moving rapidly in the direction of Holborn, "'but their journey was in vain. "'Neither Eleanor nor Peggy was to be found "'at the addresses Barnes had given. "'The former, they were informed by a woman "'who rented a room in the mansions, "'had gone to some place of amusement.' where she did not know. Peggy had also left her rooms, and no one had any idea as to where she had gone. We must go again, said Mrs. Trelawney when they returned home. I cannot rest till I have seen my children. The next night, Colonel and Mrs. Trelawney again made their way to St. Hildebrand's Mansions. They had carefully calculated as to the time of Eleanor's possible return, and made their plans accordingly. The colonel was in doubt as to the wisdom of their action, but yielded to his wife's solicitations. When they arrived, they found that their daughter had not long returned from business. On the whole, Eleanor Trelawney was not dissatisfied with the results of the step she had taken— Her work at Speak and Burnham's was not unpleasant, and up to the present Mr. Wakeham had treated her with marked courtesy. It was true she did not always quite understand the attitude he had adopted towards her, but she had nothing to complain of. The flat she had been able to secure was far from what she could have desired, but sufficient for her present needs.' Moreover, as she had joined another girl in renting the rooms, she found, to her delight, that she was able to meet the expenses without much difficulty. It was true she missed the refinements of her home life, and had more than once caught herself comparing the somewhat grim discomfort of her apartments with her home in Hampstead. Still, she had her liberty— No one interfered with her actions, and, as she had several friends who were of her own way of thinking, she had not suffered much from loneliness. Also, as she had more than once declared, she had gained her self-respect. She was no longer a useless parasite, dependent upon her father's bounty, and she had no longer to help her mother in household work, which she greatly detested. On the night in question she was alone. The girl who shared her rooms had accepted an invitation to dinner with a friend who had promised to take her to a theatre afterwards, and thus no one was in the room but herself. She was on the point of starting to look up Tamsin Corey when she heard a knock on the door. Thinking it might be Tamsin herself, she rushed almost eagerly and opened the door and saw... To her dismay, her father and mother were standing before her. For some time there was an awkward silence. Neither of them felt sure how to greet the other. Eleanor had thought that there was not the slightest danger of her whereabouts being discovered. Tamsin had told her of the endeavors which had been made in that direction, and how impossible it was for them to know where she lived. Therefore, she was astonished and somewhat chagrined at seeing her parents. Mrs. Trelawney was the first to break the silence. Oh, Eleanor, my dear, she cried, how could you? By this time the girl had recovered her usual sans-froid and was able to speak collectedly. Won't you sit down? she asked coolly. Both of them entered the room, and Mrs. Trelawney gave a quick glance around her. "'Eleanor, my darling,' she said, "'how could you leave home for this?' It was an unwise remark to make, and immediately the girl steeled her heart against any overtures which might be made. "'I am sorry my menage does not appeal to you,' "'was her reply. "'But as I am not complaining, "'I do not think any one needs to trouble. "'Besides, I did not intend you to find out where I had gone. "'I am sorry you have.' "'My daughter,' said the Colonel kindly, "'I am sorry you have adopted this attitude. "'We have come to you with nothing "'but the kindest feelings in our hearts.' "'The girl was silent.' I hear you have obtained a position, he went on, and that you work somewhere in the city. But surely there is no need for you to live here alone. It would be quite easy for you to live at Hampstead. At any rate, I have got what I desire here, was the response. May I ask what exactly you mean by that? Certainly, she replied. I am able to respect myself. I earn my own living, I pay for my own rooms and food, and I am not dependent on others. Then you refuse to come home. Remember, my dear, that it is your home. I refuse to live in Hampstead, replied the girl. There is no reason why you cannot have your self-respect, as you call it, and still live at home, said the colonel, as he laughed a little uneasily. If you like, and if it would make you feel any happier, you could pay your mother just what you pay here. Why then live amidst this discomfort? Do you wish me to speak plainly? Eleanor asked. Certainly I do, replied the colonel. Then let me ask you this. Can I if I live at home, as you call it, have the same liberty I have here, can I choose my own friends without question and without remark? Can I live my own life? Can I come when I like and go when I like, without asking for permission from anyone? Is that what you demand?' "'Certainly it is. I thought I had made that plain to you, and it is because you have decided to restrict my actions that I have done what I have.' "'Then you refuse to come back?' "'Unless I have absolute freedom?' "'Yes.' "'But, my dear,' cried Mrs. Trelawney, "'Don't you realize what you are doing? Don't you see that you are breaking our hearts? Have you no affection for us at all? Think what you owe to your father.' "'What do I owe him?' cried the girl, and for the first time there was a note of passion in her voice. It is true he brought me up, fed me, clothed me, educated me, but he was obliged to do that, and personally I do not see what debt of gratitude I owe him. As for affection, she shrugged her shoulders and then went on, he left home when I was a child, then, when he came back, he thought he had the right to interfere with my life, He dictated the times I should go out and come in. He arrogated to himself the right to say what amusements I should enjoy. He prohibited me from bringing the friends I desired to the house. He treated me as if I were a child. I told him I would not submit to it, and I persisted in my decision. I do not ask his approval or his dissent. As for affection for him— "'I frankly admit I haven't a particle.' "'But, my dear,' urged Mrs. Trelawney, "'the Bible says—' "'Oh, stop, mother,' interrupted the girl. "'I am too old to be influenced by nursery stories, "'and please remember this. "'I am old enough to think for myself "'and act for myself, "'and you may rest assured whatever happens to me— "'I shall not trouble you.' "'But we cannot help being troubled, my dear,' cried the mother. "'Whether you care about us or not, we care about you. "'And think of what has happened to Peggy. "'Have you found out where she is, too?' asked the girl. "'Of course we have,' said the colonel. ''Don't you see that you are in danger of ruining your life, as she has ruined hers?'' ''How has she ruined her life?'' asked Eleanor. ''She has married the man she loves, or pretends to love, the man you forbade her to meet. If you had had your way, you would stamp out her individuality, forbid all her natural desires, and make her a creature of your whim.'' "'Of course I think she's a fool, as I think any girl is to marry a man, but that's her affair.' "'Have you seen her since last night?' asked the Colonel. "'May I know why you ask?' There was defiance in her tone. "'Yes, you may,' replied the Colonel, "'and I will tell you, because I think you ought to know the kind of thing you aided and abetted.' That creature, Barnes, wrote to me and asked for an interview. I arranged to meet him at the Cosmopolitan Hotel last night. When he came, he had the audacity to tell me that although they were not married, Peggy and he were living together. But they are! And the girl's cheeks flushed as she spoke. I saw to that! She hesitated a second and seemed confused. I... I insisted on being a witness to the marriage. Yes, replied the Colonel. John discovered that, but Barnes did not think I knew it, and so he tried to bargain with me. That creature, that "'That poisonous reptile had the audacity to tell me "'that if I would be reasonable and would consent to recognize him "'and set them up in a house, "'he would make Peg, your sister, an honest woman. "'Think of it!' "'And the colonel's nostrils quivered as he spoke. "'And what did you do? What did you say?' "'She could not repress the interest she felt.' "'It was not what I did or said,' replied the Colonel. "'John was there with me, and the boy gave the rascal the thrashing he deserved.' "'Of course I know she's a fool,' was Eleanor's retort. "'But she had made up her mind, and when I saw the attitude you took, I let her go her own way. "'What right had you to interfere? She has her own life to live.' "'Both of us have done what thousands of others are doing. "'We have simply refused to submit to the restrictions of those "'who have no right to control us.' "'And is that all you have to say?' asked the Colonel sadly. "'I think enough has been said,' she replied insolently. "'And would you mind my telling you that I wish to be alone? "'I have chosen my own life, and I will abide by my choice.' Good night, said the colonel presently, but remember this, Eleanor, you'll live to regret this kind of thing. Eleanor shrugged her shoulders. Won't you kiss me, Eleanor, pleaded the mother. Remember, my dear, you are our child, and our door will always be open to you. Sadly, the father and mother made their way into the street, while Eleanor, her face hard and rigid, stood staring with unseeing eyes into vacancy. I was afraid it would be of no use, said the colonel. Let's go home. Not yet, pleaded Mrs. Trelawney. Let us go to Peggy. End of chapter 18